Welcome back to the Returning to Oneself podcast. I am Mish. I'm Emma. And every two weeks, us, a special guest, will help you to understand how and why you are abandoning yourself. So if you are someone that lacks self-confidence, feels stuck hating their body, and is constantly striving to change yourself into a smaller version, whether that be physically and or emotionally, this podcast is for you. With our and our guests' experience and expertise, not only will you be reminded that you are not alone in this struggle, but there is hope that you can go from disconnected from yourself and your body to being reconnected. Stick with us as we teach you how you can return to yourself and finally reach a place where you are at peace with yourself, your life and your body. So hello and welcome to another episode. Today we are joined by Alex Oakel, compassionate business coach, nutritionist who supports those who suffer with PCOS and a deadlift fan. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Well, Alex, I haven't even really met you yet. So I'm really excited for these questions I'm about to ask you, which you don't even know about. <laughs> so this is just to kind of get to know you a little bit and to let our listeners know a little bit about you and so we want to know two interesting facts about you and secondly if you were a cartoon character who would you be and why oh my gosh these are hard questions these are proper icebreakers um I feel like I'm on my first day of a new job interesting fact about me you will know all about this Mish because I complain about it all the time but i Broke my wrist and my elbow falling off a skateboard. So I think, and that was not that long ago. That was in when I was an adult. So that's uh, quite a random fact about me, but I still suffer with the wrist pain now, <laughs> which is why I can't bench as heavy as I want to. That's, I promise, that's the reason. <laughs> we are working through it. <laughs> and then cartoon character. I think that I, who I want to be is Louise from Bob's Burgers. Do you watch Bob's Burgers? No, I haven't actually. She is so cute. I find her hilarious. You need to watch Bob's Burgers. It's like my comfort TV show. And she has the cutest little bunny ears that she wears. It's just like her little hat. And she, there's no like explanation to it. She just wears that little hat. And I just love that. And oh, I'm cute. obsessed. What about her do you resonate with? Well, she has quite like a dark sense of humor which I think is hilarious and she's always like in trouble and like doing funny things it doesn't it's not very me but I I want to be that sort of person who just doesn't your, give a shit basically. your alter ego <laughs> yeah. alter ego is like a nine-year-old cartoon character mm. <laughs> I, that makes so much sense I love that answer <laughs> As you know, our podcast is very much all about self-abandonment and different ways how women let go of parts of themselves and how they reject or how they are led to reject parts of themselves. Mm -hmm. So we want to start with you and ask you, what is your experience with self-abandonment, especially if you reflect back on your life and, and your childhood, I guess, bring up certain memories that would remind you of that self-rejection? Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a really good question for me right now because it's something that I'm like working through at the moment reflecting back on it so when you sent over the questions I was like okay I'm back in therapy <laughs> we're back in the room <laughs> but I love it so I have a very recent one which was where in January when I burnt out very aggressively and I had like a period of like a month where I didn't really speak to friends I wasn't very interested in my relationship I was 
getting married in June and I was like leading up to the wedding I had no interest in it it was just like there was no one behind the eyes you know like I was there but there was no one home and it was basically because I had worked myself way too hard for I can't even say how long for such a long time I was still working a full-time job while building my businesses like alongside and I was leading up to taking the plunge to go full-time in April so I just felt like I had to like go a million miles an hour and actually recently in therapy I was reflecting on the fact that like all of the little things that made me me and like how my friends would describe me and like my interests just went out the window straight away it was things like not doing my skincare routine and it sounds so like trivial when you say it like that but when it's something that feels something you love you enjoy something that people are like oh yeah she loves her skincare that's something about her and it just all of that stuff went reading all these things that I really love doing movement everything just disappeared because I was just in this like survival mood is almost how I call it I just had to get through the day and once I'd finished work once I finished pushing myself super hard I would just sit on the sofa with like a blank stare so that is something really recently that really I'm still kind of I feel like I am through the other side of it but I'm only now just having the like almost like capacity or mental space to look back and actually think about that time at the start of the year and think about how I can prevent that again and as that's the biggest thing for me is like how can I not get back in that place because it was not a good place yeah that's a very recent example of that that's so relatable and I, I was the queen of burnout a few years ago. And it took me a lot of work, just as you. I went through a lot of coaching, a lot of therapy that forced me to address this habit of mine, or perhaps lack of healthy habits, such as boundaries. And I love that you used a recent example, because often, on especially on our podcast, we talk about things that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago. This is a very good reminder to us and our listeners as well that self-abandonment doesn't just happen in the past. It happens as we go through life. That means even a week ago or for you maybe six months ago so thank you for sharing that and I'm pretty sure that most of our listeners will will resonate with that also because a lot of our listeners are coaches themselves which means they do work for themselves which means mm-hmm. it's a journey for each and one of them to find that balance between investing into their business and investing into their passion but also whilst being able to meet their needs and prioritize themselves rather than continuously sacrifice themselves in order to to meet those goals Mm -hmm. and especially as someone who's like you know my profession or like my background is that I'm a nutritionist so all day I was helping other people or at least supporting them to feel better or you know giving them that brave space to come and have conversations about like relationship with food and all of these things and I was kind of like doing the work for other people but I wasn't doing it for myself and it's that thing of where you know you can know the like theory but it's so much harder to put things into into practice and actually yeah prioritize yourself so it just felt like now I look back how ironic that I was you know telling people oh you know stress really doesn't help when you have PCOS and like we need to work on stress management techniques and improving your sleep and then I'm the one barely sleeping not eating enough not taking my medication I look back now and I just think oh my god what was I doing do you remember or can you still connect to that kind of the narrative that was maybe driving a lot of your behavior at that at that time because often I, I find that when I'm in certain 
modes of whether it be self-abandonment, whether it be different phases of life, there's always slightly a different narrative behind driving some of those kind of behaviors. Was there a voice that was driving a lot of that behavior compared to maybe what's going on for you now? Yeah, I think a lot of it was this kind of um, voice of perfectionism slash comparison thing going on. I, I came back after Christmas, after what I considered a break, even though I had COVID the whole time and I felt awful. And I thought, well, everyone else is getting back into it. So like, why can't I? Why am I finding it so hard to get started again after Christmas? Like, why am I not filled with energy? Why am I not like raring to go? Why am I not thankful for everything I have in my life? That was something that I was really struggled with. I had a lot of guilt around of feeling, oh, but I've got all these nice things happening. You know, I've, I've got this great full-time job. I'm creating my own businesses, which I love. I'm getting married. Like I had all these amazing things going on. In theory, I was going to be super excited and super happy. And I just had this feeling of guilt. And I do think it was really, it's definitely related to perfectionism. And also for me, and I don't know what the kind of technical term for this is, but it's that feeling of not being happy where you are and always trying to look forward. And sometimes you just need to sit in the moment and not always be striving for the next thing. And that's something I really struggle to come to terms with and something that I have to really try and do now. This sounds so much like the hustle culture, constantly mm-hmm. striving for more, constantly chasing more. And without realizing, you won't have the space to appreciate what is. You won't have the space to appreciate what you have achieved, how far you've come. Because you always have that ton of vision on what is the next thing I can reach. And it puts you in a place where you lose the vision of the whole picture, which is you having COVID, which is Mm -hmm. you burning out, which is you not having boundaries in place, probably because that's why you even reached the burnout in the first place. So you won't see that. And then it feeds even more judgment. It feeds even more self-criticism, self-blame. And there's a very, very little to no space for self-compassion. And we know that self-compassion is the number one thing when it comes to responding to us being imperfect and to us struggling and making mistakes so it's a vicious cycle yeah absolutely and that's why kind of now I've tried I'm really trying to be conscious of myself of getting back into that cycle and um, I really resonate what you've said about hustle culture because I was in diet culture for a long time and I was like I've got out of diet culture I'm happy I've moved on I've made peace with food and movement and all of that sort of stuff and this was years ago but then I just saw like the same thing happening again but with like hustle culture and I'm like when will this stop like I just keep getting like dragged into these systems and that was something huge that I kind of had to recognize that I was being dragged into another kind of oppressive system yeah if that is something normalized for you that kind of grind 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 you know keep going goals 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 reach the goals keep going you know having a sense of direction putting in the effort putting in the work doing the work if that is so normalized to you I mean it makes sense why you shift into another another version of it mm-hmm. so we're really curious about you mentioned that you were giving all this advice to your clients yet you know not in that moment able to take it for yourself what for you are the behavioral habits that you see with your clients that are also signs of this self-rejection Mm-hmm. that's a yeah that's a great question I think there are so many so in terms of like my nutrition clients what I see a lot of is a lot of like not feeling worthy and therefore not even treating themselves with that basic care. So things like not booking doctor's appointments or not taking medication or because people have such little compassion for themselves because maybe they blame themselves for the the like the condition that they have. So I work with people with PCOS. There's a lot of blame there. So they feel like they're not worthy of kind of giving themselves acceptance and love and support. I see a lot of that when I you know coach business clients to help them build their own businesses. And what I see a lot of is this just feeling like, 
like not worthy enough and like why should I have this success or why would anyone listen to me a lot of that just self-doubt and yeah comparing themselves to other people and feeling like they don't have I don't know what the word is but like they don't have the authority to say what they want to say because they're like well someone else will say it I'll say it better and it's like people want to hear from you people are interested in your opinion and like your opinion is valid so I see it a lot and again it's one of those I recognize it in in other people quite easily now because I've been through it myself and because it's been so recent as well I really do I'm smiling because first of all same but secondly (laughs) we talked about this a lot in the first episode especially about imposter syndrome and so what I like about your position is that you get to see the self-abandonment from two different places one is nutrition side of things and the other one is the business side of things and I think that both areas are very very difficult for women because both of them are areas that are perhaps not encouraged when it comes to healthy growth or education or encouragement especially the business side of things if you think about it and then obviously nutrition and and, and the diet culture is a whole nother thing Mm -hmm. so you get to see two different sides to the self-abandonment and I guess one thing that you mentioned is very similar or neutral is the lack of worthiness or the belief that we are not good enough to have good things to be healthy or to be happy right yeah and I feel like even though that it is two separate things they both come from the same thing, which is capitalism, the patriarchy. It's all these systems at play where people who are raised as women or people who are black, trans, anyone who's in a marginalized group is automatically told that they are behind. <laughs> you know, it's always like, well, you know, in second place. So I think that it's it's understandable that, and this is something that I tell my clients on both sides of the nutrition and the business, I say, and it kind of, I think some people find it overwhelming, but some people find it reassuring that like it is the systems at play. It's not, it's not you. This isn't, this isn't a you problem. This is like, you're not going to be able to change the whole systems now, but like for a lot of people, they find that quite comforting being like, okay, there's actually like a bigger thing going on. And it's understandable that I feel this way and I don't feel worthy and that I don't feel like I can be myself and I don't feel like I can show my true self and be aligned completely to my values because the world is telling me that that's wrong or that I shouldn't be allowed to do that. So yeah, although they're separate, I do definitely see themes and yeah, the kind of same systems at play. I think that about the systems, oh, it's just like riles me up, but it's, it's so useful to have that underneath your belt because with all the stories that we have about ourselves that all feed into I'm not worthy, you need to have things to start challenging those. You need to have things to kind of almost build your list against as to why you are worthy and it's nothing actually to do with you whatsoever. And so having that and also understanding that everybody else has been suppressed by that same system as well again creates that idea of compumanity you're not alone in this and therefore it takes the isolation away from that experience and allows you to understand that actually not only are you doing this to kind of return to yourself and, and build that trust back up with yourself and that sense of self-worth but also for other people as well for for everybody else who's been affected by the system and I think that's why it's so powerful yeah absolutely and I think that yeah for a lot of people I think hearing that is kind of gives them like a sigh of relief and gives them that space to be a little bit more authentic or a little bit more true to themselves and when I work with clients and 
especially people who are really struggling with body image in particular. I think that's quite a good example. Breaking down those systems and kind of debunking or like kind of demystifying what we're told about, for example, like health and weight and like the way we look doesn't dictate the way that we how healthy we are on the inside, for example, like taking that and kind of walking through that, um, it can be really, really helpful to, yeah, dismantle these beliefs that that society tells us, basically. So I'm hearing from what you're saying that acceptance is huge for people when it comes to reconnecting back to themselves, Mm -hmm. especially if there's a lot of, I guess, rejection of parts that they have been convinced to believe that are broken or not accepted right, by the society. What other three things, according to you, can people do physically to fight, well, fight those systems, but more so create supportive systems within themselves to reach that place of coming back to themselves? Yeah, I think that's such a lovely way of putting it, like to come back to yourself. And one thing that I found really valuable and something that I've, um, I kind of lead a lot of my clients through now is kind of taking stock of your values and like discovering and developing your own values and having quite like a almost like a list of okay these are my top three to five values and then doing like a life audit and also in your business you can do it as well and kind of say am I being true to these values am I living in a way that really speaks to these values every single day and or at least the best of your ability because obviously you know the systems um but we can you know try our best to align our lives as much as we can to the things that feel really true and connected to us and not the things that we want other people not that they um, when I say when I do like value work with people a lot of people kind of come up with these things that they think I want to hear or they think that other people will want them to to say but it's actually what feels really true to you and what those words that light you up or those kind of feelings that yeah, to ignite something within you. So I think like doing values work is so important. And it's, you know, you can do it with a coach or with a therapist, but also like you, there's quite a lot of good resources online. So I would definitely look into doing some values work. I kind of think that's like a nice foundation thing to do. I mean, I always say to people, if you can work with someone, it's just transformative because they ask you those questions you don't want to ask yourself, <laughs> which I think is so important because sometimes we need to be nudged a little bit. And I don't know what you guys think of that, but sometimes I think we need to be gently poked is what I'm going to, is how I'm going to call it. Because I think sometimes we just don't really want to um, dig deeper. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, we love, we love, love comfort, right? We love comfort. We love safety. We love anything that feels like home, which is anything that's familiar to us. And that is even when it's unhelpful, even when it contradicts what we actually want. You'll very rarely see somebody seeking discomfort and choosing to place themselves into uncomfortable position. I've had a Mm -hmm. conversation uh, recently with a friend of mine and I shared uh, with them that I am doing volunteering work now. I work for a charity when I can and the charity helps. It provides um, showers for people that deal with homelessness. It's mm-hmm. called Shower Books if somebody wants to look it up. And she said, why did you, why? Why are you doing it? Like you're already doing so much. Why are you doing this? I said, well, of course, like one thing is to give and to help those who need it. But another thing is I wanted to do something that makes me uncomfortable in a way. Otherwise, I would just keep avoiding it and doing something like this puts me in a place where I, I I can't predict what may happen I may meet people who I don't know what to expect from when it comes to maybe 
words or behavior and that challenges me and it helps me to grow she said wow that's that's crazy but also very weird because you won't often see somebody choosing to do something that's so uncomfortable voluntarily Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point. It kind of leads on nicely to kind of what I was thinking next, which is trying new things and kind of leaning out of that zone of comfort. And that can be kind of as trivial as trying a new hobby. Like it doesn't have to be anything too crazy, but it's kind of one of those that if, if it's not feeling good to you, but you're still doing it the same thing every day, then there's, there's something here that feels like it's a bit stuck. We need something to change. And um, yeah, I think just trying something new and it doesn't mean that that one thing is going to like transform your life. It might do. But it might lead to different things or open your mind to a different way of thinking about things, for example, or it might, you know, lead you to meet new people or, you know, I just think trying something new in any capacity can just give you a little bit more of a, I don't know, it just kind of opens up your mind a little bit to the possibilities. So that's something that I, I personally find really, really valuable. I think also just finding boundaries like that has been such a huge thing I do feel like people who you know identify as women do tend to people please a lot and we take that caring role and that nurturing role often and I think quite often we spend a lot of time on other people's needs and not much on our own and for a lot of people that's part of them and that's part of their values is to give and support and I'm, I'm not taking that away but I also think you know you can't you can't always just be giving because there'll be nothing left for you so taking time to to put those boundaries in in place in whatever way that looks for you and everyone's boundaries are very different and everyone's boundaries in different areas will be very different you know relationship friendship work whatever it needs to be considering and almost again like auditing those boundaries and saying am I you know am I being a bit pushed over here am I doing things I don't want to do and even if it feels quite trivial so for example one good one for me is when people say that they want to do something and I, I'm free quote unquote free but I'm not in a good headspace and I just want to be on my own I am always that person that's like well I don't have a good excuse and I'm really trying to get out of that because sometimes I just don't want to and I want to be on my own and actually that's what would be more beneficial for me and my mental health but I have this guilt or underlying feeling of trying to please people so that's something that I'm actively working on at the moment and I do think boundary setting is so important in all aspects of life I love your points and I feel like I don't know if you thought about it intentionally but th- I feel like they all connect so well mm. i was about to say that <laughs> <laughs> great Stop minds, my mind great <laughs> minds think alike finding something new new hobby stepping out of your comfort zone that could very easily align with your values right such as i don't know freedom or joy or or purpose or giving whatever that is mm-hmm. and because you will be in a comfortable uncomfortable position it will be also very challenging and encouraging for you to practice setting your boundaries and we don't know what the result of this will be right even if somebody just says right okay well I'm just gonna start with one and I'm gonna figure out my values or even easier well perhaps for some for some maybe not but I'm just gonna go this weekend and try golf or I don't know archery (laughs) archery (laughs) thank you (laughs) a new hobby the least you will get out of it which is huge is that you are going to learn something new about yourself and most likely it's not going to be just one thing it's going to be few new learnings and that is never a loss that's always always a gain and when we talk about returning to oneself purpose of that is for people to learn about themselves and to figure out what they like what they don't like what they want what they don't want what they need what they don't need because for years they have been suppressing it which was a great recipe for 
for the self-abandonment. So interesting you say that, Mish, because you've connected them in one way. But for me, it was like a completely different way. Looking at your values and like Alex said, like not the ones that they think that you want to hear or what they should be. It requires you to actually check in how it feels in your body, kind of that interception. The same thing, trying new things. It requires you to be okay with how you're feeling in yourself. It requires you to be open to feeling new things and checking in, do I actually enjoy this does it bring me joy or do I just absolutely hate it like it requires you to get out of your head and just check in with yourself and the same with boundaries again there'll be a lot of talk from your head being like they're gonna hate me they're never gonna speak to me again if it's you know boundaries that are super uncomfortable but it forces us to be okay with that discomfort that we feel with the professional help this is where it kind of ties everything in because well for me anyway I'm always about trying to get clients out of their head and back into their body and letting that trust within themselves come from that and returning to themselves by listening to that and so I feel like all of those things encourage people to get more comfortable with what they're feeling and kind of gain information from it you know your values when they feel good when they feel aligned it's the feeling you get it's not oh yes that sounds like a good idea it's a very different experience when you put boundaries in place yes it feels uncomfortable at times but there's also a part of you that goes this was right for me when you try new things and you work out actually archery is not for me what was the other one you had mish what was the other one golf (laughs) golf but golf oh that lights my fire it's again it's it's not a logical decision it's a it's a feeling yeah i mean amazing yeah amazing point alex you've kind of shared quite a recent experience of self-abandonment and so we're going to leave this question open for you whether this could be something you might want to go back to a Uh, kind of a younger version of yourself or just that kind of recent past version of yourself so if you could go back what would you do to kind of save that version of you from self-rejection whether it be a younger part of you whether it be that recent past version of you Mm -hmm. I when I was younger and I can't I struggle to kind of like pinpoint a time I feel like my memory isn't very good of when I was younger and like that's probably a whole other conversation but I feel like I don't have a very good recollection of kind of like more of the feelings I remember yeah I remember the the events and things that happened but I don't really like have feelings connected to them I do remember which probably led me to kind of what I do now the feelings of I had to look a certain way to be accepted and that was like a huge part of growing up and although I can't pinpoint where that necessarily came from I do think it's just kind of it's an accumulation of like society and just the conversations that people have around you going to an all-girls school that cannot help um a whole thing of that it was just so image focused and as you can imagine weight focused and I can just remember that feeling of it just felt so normal to do those sort of behaviors which now I look back that self-abandonment not feeding yourself telling yourself you're not worthy enough telling yourself you're not good enough comparing yourself to other people like all of these things like they're so clear to me now but at the time it felt well what would I also would I be doing if it wasn't dieting that's what girls do right like that's how it was so ingrained within me so I think looking back now I find it really hard because I think I I don't know what I could have done differently then because it was it was so ingrained and I think that even like the adults in my life maybe were going through their own stuff and their own journey of their own self-acceptance that they also were like well that of course it's normal to have some you know funny ways with eating when you're that age you know it's all part of being a teenager and a teenage girl so I do think that I struggle to think what could have changed really then but now I know looking back it wasn't healthy and it wasn't okay and I 
you know, it makes me upset to think of other children or other young people feeling that way. And that's kind of half the well, the majority of the reason of what, what I do now. And, and one of my businesses is um, like an education hub for people with PCOS. And, you know, a lot of people who have PCOS are blamed, even though it's we know it's a combination of genetics and the environment and lifestyle. So it's a whole, you know, accumulation of different things going on. A lot of people are blamed for their their health who have PCOS. So they go onto the internet to find diets from the age of whatever age, 10, 12. They're looking for weight loss, quick fixes, just to feel accepted and not be shamed in everyday life. And then especially when they go to the doctor and things like that. So doing this work now that does help me kind of almost heal that part of me, I think, because I know that I'm not adding to that cycle. So even though it's not kind of like a personal, what, you know, what could I have changed then? It's more like, I feel like I'm doing the work now to almost make up for it. That's kind of how I feel about it. And I've done my own self-healing with body image and uh, relationship with food and movement, like I was mentioning before. So the work that has been kind of done, but I wanted now want to take it to the, the next level of helping others on a bigger scale and kind of demystifying and debunking everything that comes along with food and movement which is just feels never-ending <laughs> two things listening to your story one your experience with like jumping on a dieting wagon and, and not even understanding where that came from it sounds like perhaps something that would could have helped you back then was education and different education than what was available to you at that time or perhaps even influence Right. And to be honest with you, often that's where it all go wrong for a lot of us, because whether it was diet related or relationships related, it happened because of the lack of uh, knowledge and therefore lack of behavior. It's not always we don't always go through trauma because of what happened, but also what, what didn't happen. We experience trauma because we don't uh, receive validation when we need to receive validation when we don't feel seen when we don't feel heard when that's what we truly truly need which then shapes our reality and perception of ourselves so you are right it is about the education which makes sense why for you it feels like by doing it now and helping others you are also healing that younger version of you Mm-hmm. So that I, th- I thought that was very powerful. And second, when you said that's what girls do about the dieting, oh my God, that touched something within me that really, really connected with me. And that just shows how true that is or was for women because you wouldn't even question it. That's That's what it suggests, right? That statement, that's what girls do. You don't question it. You just do it. And that's That's crazy to me because both me and Emma and our guests have shared together our experiences with the earliest ways of dieting and restricting and self-harming in a way that we treated our body, whether it's through food or or obsession with exercise, punishments, right? And it goes really, really far back. And some of the earliest memories are as young as five, seven, nine years old. And your point about that's what girls do really, really reinforces that and makes it really real and, and validating because if that's the truth for all of us, then there's almost no hope for us to do anything else than that. Yeah, it definitely hit me hard. I mean, I, I remember actually reading something similar being like oh my heart because yeah it's like it's a collective experience of suffering that we get to connect to other women with but it's again within that system of is this what we connect with other women about Mm-hmm. like that is so sad you know in the work that you're doing Alex you're now driving this new movement this new collective of what is normalized and I think that is why it's so important that we do what we do because it's about breaking what is normal 
mm-hmm. of what has been normalized. It wasn't something that I woke up one day and decided to do. It's more of collective experience of collective I've got it in again um, it's more of the experience of like my clients and their stories and then like you said like other people who I just speak to in everyday life like, like you said it just comes up because we all connect with it on some level and now the the gym that I go to lift like they everyone there has their own stories which we talk about and we share and I just think so it's just all like accumulated into this thing of okay I'm bringing these people together to one place where they can find non-stigmatizing information about this one condition and like it's a small impact but it's still change and like I think that's important if you are in any way kind of challenging as a system that's huge you can feel like it's an uphill battle that it's just pointless but it really is those tiny little changes all do add up and it's all very cliche but it's I think it's true like the snowball effect of like if we all do our part and we all kind of try and change the narrative in some way it can only get better can't it It can only improve like rather than us contributing to these backwards (laughs) systems and oppressive systems you are a great educator and the main platform that you use for educating others and contributing and bringing value to other people's lives is social media. Now, you are bringing something very valuable, but as we know, social media is a slippery slope or can be. So I'm curious, what do you think about how social media is contributing towards women leaving themselves and essentially rejecting themselves? Mm -hmm. I think that the internet in general and especially social media can bring us so much and it can bring us so many connections and so much community you know I have friends I call them friends who I've never met because on social media you know people who I talk to people who I connect with people who I just love keeping up with their day and people who provide me with such valuable insights and information and I really love it for that I think that it really has its place especially for marginalized groups who maybe don't see themselves being represented in the media or in their community being able to have these spaces online where people can go and find people like them or safe or brave spaces to have conversations I think is huge so I'm I'm a big advocate for that but I also really can see that dark side and especially in people who are younger or who maybe do feel quite lost within themselves it can be so easy to go down the comparison trap to be in literally the like scroll hole of just like looking at other people and brutally comparing yourself and I have to check myself sometimes like I think that it happens to the best of us you know the people who feel like they've moved through that or away from that sort of thing when you're in a particularly vulnerable place it brings comfort almost to pick ourselves apart and compare ourselves online and the way that these apps have been made is to keep us on there for as long as possible so it's no wonder that we get so caught up in it so I think that there are pros and cons definitely to social media I think there needs to be so much more legislation in terms of disclosing filters that's one thing that I find really worrying like filter and photoshop and stuff like that I don't especially when I'm thinking of like influencers doing like adverts for certain things and using filters and it just it doesn't sit right with me I don't get how that's allowed still and I think there's still so much work to do but there's so many people who are doing such valuable work there's one movement called it's called hashtag filter drop and that's doing some really great work in terms of improving I guess it's kind of like the transparency around filters because like I don't think I'm not saying we need like a blanket ban but it's just it's, it's all about transparency isn't it and honesty and openness and then being able 
to make your own decisions and being informed as consumers especially so yeah I think there's a lot of work to do but a lot of amazing people are doing great things and yeah I do think no wonder body image is kind of in one of its worst kind of places that it's been for like in our history when we look at things like Instagram and TikTok and the way that they grab our attention they keep us hooked and people who look a certain way are rewarded for the way they look online and also I mean I could go on but Instagram like you know it it does the algorithm and the technology around Instagram has been proven to be racist it censors black people more than it does white people so there are so many issues with it but I also don't ever want to forget that so many people have found so much value. So it's, as in everything, there's so much nuance. It's never black and white with these things. So It's so difficult. I do struggle to have healthy relationships with that one way is the filtering different content creators content creators of color content creators of different genders that's one thing also what's crazy to me i just cannot wrap my head around it is we have this huge platform available to us of so much content and so much information so much knowledge you would think it could reverse (laughs) what's been done in the past 30 50 years because I remember when I was growing up obviously we didn't have social media so all I was referring to was magazines and there was just one type of body in the magazine and that was very very slim type of body that's it (laughs) and there was also a like a pageant tv show right where women attended as a beauty pageant and they were specifically saying everybody's body measurements and it was these exact measurements for every single body so you're then sitting in front of the tv and go well i don't have these measurements and all these girls have these measurements and they look exactly like these girls in a magazine so there's a huge volume of these bodies i don't have that body i'm the broken one something's wrong with me because there's a clearly a group of them that look the same way and are, are very much celebrated and also promoted in, in within those magazines, right? The magazines came with all sorts of diets, for example, or happy ending stories. And so I'm thinking if I had a selection or maybe perhaps if I was exposed to a volume of different bodies at that time, my journey could have been very different with my body. Um, the perspective that I have of my had of myself and my body could have been different. So this is what I can't understand. We have that today, but it means almost nothing because of the filtering and because of the lack of genuinity when it comes to editing, for example. It almost makes me angry now just talking about it. <laughs> I mean, it's good that it makes you angry. It makes me angry too. I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword always. And I think that's what's so frustrating. There's so much power in it, yet we're not really using it for the greater good sometimes. So with social media, obviously, we can see it's a double-edged sword. We can see that there are the negatives and also the, you know, the positives. But I also think that there also gets to be simple things such as, like, I'm going to bring it back to that education again, of educating ourselves how do we protect ourselves against what the current social media environment is like because there's a lot of things we can't control i don't think we're ever really going to have that much control over it even if there are filter bans and things like that it's it's also down to well, just down to so much that is really out of our control so what is in our control and being able to work with that and use that to our advantage so that we can you know reconnect to ourselves and not abandon ourselves through 
being exposed to social media. But Alex, I also want to know, what do you think if we were to help women to reconnect to themselves? And as we do that, because that's what we do day in, day out, if this were to go wider, what for you is your opinion on the wider impact on the world? Mm-hmm. I really like this question. When I think of this, I, I imagine the like there's some words that come to mind and I feel like they are community and connection. Because once we start being our true selves, being in full like alignment with who we really are, once we remove the judgment from ourselves and actually the judgment from others, we remove that comparison, then I do think there'll be less competition. It'll be more about raising each other up and knowing that there's we all have our own unique take on things we all have our place in this world and we're not all fighting to get to the the top we can all coexist I think that would be you know incredible but I also think that when we allow ourselves to flourish and when we give ourselves the space and the energy and the capacity to flourish then we fill our own cups first and that means that when we have anything extra we can spread that to others and we have the capacity to be able to do that in terms of, you know, supporting others, which might look like financial support or emotional support or whatever support that needs. And that means, and I kind of think, I always think of that term when people say like, it takes a village, you know, and they're talking about like raising a child, but I always think like it takes a village to like raise ourselves and to live and to, you know, to be in this world as humans. And I think that if we can all flourish within ourselves, it means that society as a whole flourishes and we have more to give to others who maybe need more, you know, support to get where they want to be because of their environment, because of their social situation, you know, whatever that looks like. So yeah, I I imagine collaboration, community, and just general support. And I love the word support because it just feels like it's definitely one of my kind of core values coming back to that, giving other people support. And that can look a million different ways. But I do think that women are the best at support. It feels like a utopia and I want to be there. (laughs) I love that. I want to be part of this utopia too. (laughs) I love that also. I feel like a key thing that I take away from from that is that actually the narrative of it being encouraged and the only way that we can be a giver or we can be somebody who helps others is to give all of ourselves away Mm -hmm. and to let go of the narrative that we can't have both because we can. And I think that is what it's all about. It's, it's, we've been discussing, it's a different experience um, of being able to give to ourselves and also give to others. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can thrive together. I think people are scared of being selfish. They're scared of that word. It has negative connotations. And I think people think if they have, if they're being selfish, then it doesn't, you can't be selfish and also be selfless. I think the two things can exist together. You know, you can be selfish, you can put your needs first while giving to others and they don't have to be two very distinctive things. Like with everything that I talk about, it's all about the nuance. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've said it all. Everything I wanted to say has been covered. What came up for me hearing your point or your answer, Alex, was it brought me back to you sharing your recent experience with self-abandonment. And the one thing that you said was whilst I was giving to others, I couldn't give to myself. So, So this kind of connects with what you just said now. And I think because women are such good nurturers and such a good carers by nature, by prioritizing themselves first, they would be even better at it. So they it would feel it would bring them more into their element. They would feel even more aligned, whatever you want to align that with, whether it's values, whether it's your core energy, feminine energy, whatever that is. And I feel like 
everybody would benefit from that even more, especially if talking about the it takes a village to raise a child, even more so families or communities, because there wouldn't be that constant empty cup as a source of giving. It would be more full. It it would be half full, it would be full glass, I don't know. But you can't give from an empty cup, just like you couldn't give yourself from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. My kind of core message and only something that I, you know, after this burnout experience I had that I really came back to was what if we flourish like within ourselves, then everyone flourishes. And it really is that knock on effect. And it's not a selfish thing to do. And it's not, yeah, it's, it's not being too focused on you is a bad thing that is a great thing to do and to do your own internal work and like you said fill yourself up then there's plenty more to give be selfful mm, like that i always use that term being selfful because as you said the more you fill yourself up the more you have to give so it's not in a way it's not selfish at all because if that is important to you to be able to give to others well you need to fill yourself up first because then you have more to give But I think being selfish sometimes, oh, well, this is something like a buzzword on social media is don't say, don't say selfish, say selfful because it's different and it's better. I don't think there's anything wrong with being selfish. This is something that my therapist taught me and and really kind of addressed with me. She said, why is it wrong to be selfish? You can be selfish. It doesn't change the kind of person you are. Being selfish doesn't have a bad meaning, but it's more the narrative that has been attached to it again by the society. So be selfful, be selfish. Neither of that is better or worse you are still somebody who is worth of meeting their needs validating their needs and it doesn't mean that you can't then give to others if anything you can do that even better Alex it's been great to have you and I really really enjoyed getting to know you more and just hearing your story really I think that's what I enjoy the most uh, with our guests because I learn from that as well so thank you for sharing your story and for listeners interested in more of your work where can they find more about you so I am on Instagram at underscore Alex Okal, which is O-K-E-L-L. Um, or my website's alexokal.com if you want to find me there. If you do have PCOS or you know someone that does, then I would love you to head to pcoscollective.co.uk and make use of it yourself or forward it on um, as that is a huge passion project for me. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And I've absolutely loved being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week for our next episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at returningto1self, where you can receive updates on our next episode release dates, topics, and where you can engage with us too. We would love for you to tag us if you found this episode resonated. Remember, you have and always will deserve to return to oneself.